0: It's Cathy here from Geek Girl Meetup UK, and you are joining me for the latest episode of Geek Girl Meets, where we sit down with a fascinating woman in tech to hear more about her career. And today I am joined by Lisa Williams, the co-founder of Tantrum XYZ, not Z, but we'll get more on that later. Lisa, thank you for having me come here today for a quick podcast record. How are you doing?
1: Really well, thank you. It's an early morning, but all my mornings are early these days.
0: So. Hey, it's fine. We've got Taylor Street Barrister coffee. Plug. Hoping they'll just this <laughs> discount next time. It's really good. So we'll be a little bit buzzed while we kick off this interview. But first question, as always, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a TV presenter.
1: Hey, me too! Uh, yeah, so
0: my mum always
1: talks about this.
0: She's obsessed because
1: the moment I could practically hold a hairbrush I was doing interviews with um, her mainly or my dad or my sister or anyone that used to sort of come come to see us and I think it was in those sort of early days of um, home recording so um, we had this enormous sort of camcorder that my dad used to sort of pack into a suitcase every time we went on holiday and that gave me even more opportunities I remember doing a kind of fashion feature a GMTV style fashion feature with using sarongs and got my friend to sort of model various different sarongs, you know, on our patio at the holiday flat. And I called it, what's so wrong with that? And at the end, I said, and that's a wrap. So whilst I'm not a TV presenter now, I do like to think those sort of pun skills have come into my sort of journalism and my headline writing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So how did we get from wanting to be a television presenter to being co-founder of Tantrum?
1: Quite a long journey. Um, I I didn't ever pursue the TV presenter dream. I actually had no idea what I wanted to do, and I really loved school, but I didn't really have a strong vocational drive. And I think it was strange because all the options that were presented to me tended to be you could be a teacher. You know, there was medicine. Obviously, I didn't really love science, so that was never going to be an option for me and I don't think my careers department did a great job of saying like actually there's all these really cool roles out here and this is everything you could do like to me the world was very much like based on these quite pure vocations and all the little fun bits in between were never really ever presented as an option so I went and did languages in the end because I love communicating, talking, travel, I did a languages degree and then I was living in Spain and working in a bar and I was in a huge crazy house share with about 12 other people from all around the world oh, and wow. I lived with, a, uh, one of them was this German guy and he worked for a German language newspaper in the Costa, um, where were we? we? were in Malaga, so um, Costa Brava, Costa del Sol of course and he used to interview all the visiting German politicians, all the German rock stars that would come and play down there and he got to spend every lunchtime on the beach and I thought that is the life. Um, And also, he didn't strike me as sort of Jeremy Paxman. I mean, he was quite an average guy, and I thought, well, if he can do it, maybe I can. I always thought journalism was sort of too difficult to get into, but he sort of gave me inspiration. So when I got back, I signed up to do an NCTJ course, which was a sort of fast-track journalism course, and I did a -a day-a-week work placement at a local newspaper in South London, and it was absolute joy. I loved it so much. I learned about how local government works, how the NHS works, how, you know, uh, crime and justice, all these things, sort of actually kind of quite general knowledge, really, but that they don't necessarily teach you in school or university. It was hugely social, there were drinks every Friday, I met my now husband there, and had a brilliant time reporting. Obviously, there's a gritty side of it as well, you know, door stepping, um, you know, there's a sort of, very like confrontational side, which you know I enjoyed to a certain extent, but I knew that's not what I wanted to be doing forever. I then went to work as a showbiz reporter and lifestyle journalist at Press Association, which is kind sort of like Reuters, but the UK version. Strangely, not as many people have heard in this country have heard of it. Um, they've all heard of Reuters, but not not PA. Weirdly, um, that was amazing. Two, three years there, I uh, wrote about dating, TV, film, travel. All kinds of stuff, really. And then I needed a new challenge, so I went to work for Condé Nast Digital Editing Tatler's website, and I did that for three years. And actually, most of my jobs have had a digital kind of element to them, um, but this was my first fully digital role, where I ran their website, represented them online, ran all their social media, digital campaigns, video. Um, We never actually ventured into the world of podcasts, although it was always sort of discussed. Then I had a baby... And the world changed. And I think the big pain point for me was finding that there was nothing to read. I found it interesting. There was no parenting content that, to me, was sort of funny and engaging as the stuff that I had always read, you know, as a, as a consumer of media and as a creator of it as well. Um, and also, it was a sort of period where I needed a lot of information. And I think a lot of people go into parenthood thinking that they're going to be fine. You sort of think, well, I like children and, you know, I'm well supported, I'm going to be okay. But actually, it's very difficult. You suddenly get handed this baby who is completely reliant on you. I and mean, completely. And you are looking after this baby around the clock. You're getting no sleep. And there is support, but, you know, ultimately, I think the lack of sleep gives you a bit of anxiety and you just really worry about, am I doing the right thing? So naturally, you start searching online um, for your answers. And I just found that... I wasn't getting proper information that was written to me as someone who, I guess I wanted to be sort of entertained and I wanted to be talked to like a friend would talk to me and I found um, a lot of negativity online, a lot of scaremongering and, and a lot of parenting sites that I felt were really pitched towards um, parents as if they were children rather than as if they were normal adults. I mean, two weeks ago I didn't have a baby, now I suddenly do and everything is in primary colours or written in this sort of hush, hush language. And I thought, well, hang on, you know, I haven't lost my sense of humour. I'm still a person. Um, So that's really what I started thinking about then, because I thought, I think there's a gap in the market for a really funny modern parenting website that can give you the information that you need and entertain you and sort of amuse you and it was around that time that Ben who was an old friend of mine contacted me for editorial help because he had also just had a child and he had noticed that there was nothing out there speaking to dads first of all and second of all he's he's a very design conscious guy he did an engineering degree he built his own furniture he creates art and he again was saying you know there's it's hard for me to find cool kids stuff easily. Uh, websites just aren't built. They're not sort of fit for purpose anymore. And he wanted to create a, a website. And he was coming at it very much from a design, a tech, and an e-commerce point of view. And he didn't really know how to approach the editorial. So he just met me for a coffee, and we brought the babies, and he just wanted to pick my brains. But, I mean, by about well, half an hour into the conversation, it became very clear that... I wasn't going to let him employ anyone else. No choice. pick me. Um, So we just got talking and I came on board as editor to start off with. We have another co-founder called Shane. Ben and Shane originally had worked together uh, in the tech world, investing in startups under the umbrella of Coral Reef, coralreef.io. So they were very interested in setting up their own startup. And then I joined as editor. And then again, within a few weeks, it was very clear that I must be a co-founder. Uh, I was just so passionate about everything that we were doing and really invested in it and, you know, still absolutely love the concept and think that we're onto something. So that's that's the very long story that I promised, but there <laughs> we
0: are. That's the point. It's meant to be a long story. because We are talking about how you went from TV presenter as a child to what you're doing today. And there's no linear path right it's not like you knew at that age that i'm going to start tantrum to y co-found it with two guys and it's going to be very very exciting
1: can you imagine (laughs) if i did that would be pretty amazing yeah there should be some prize out there for people who can determine their own future like that
0: if i will find them (laughs) (laughs) please tell me my future actually i'm not sure i want to know anyway (laughs) um, so how long ago was that now When did you found the company? So the company was started
1: exactly a year ago, in fact. So I had my first sort of meetings with Ben and Shane around February last year, and then we had a few months of research, and we went to a few trade shows, and met people and did some furious sort of networking and and tech work, and we went live, well, we had a sort of soft launch, and then we went live officially in June last year, so...
0: It hasn't been a full year yet of, of tantrum. What do you think the the biggest challenge has been so far? Kind of going into the, the kind of fast paced world of starting your own business, what what kind of surprised you about the journey so far?
1: I I think it's
0: slower than I wanted it to be
1: in terms of. Spread and it's very easy to get caught up in the little startup bubble in London. Yeah, and I do a a monthly meetup for parents and startups um, called the Roundtable, and it's free and it's a really good way of just sort of meeting people doing really similar things and sharing knowledge. I'm always a collaborative person. Um, I like bringing people in and working with them and helping, and I love sharing contacts and sharing knowledge um so that was a that's a really fun thing that I've started as a result of tantrum and enjoyed and actually part of this I mean this group is so supportive and such you know we're such cheerleaders for each other and we really sort of understand and and appreciate what everyone's doing that you sort of assume well everyone knows what we're doing and then when you then talk to little pockets of people and you sort of go to something and you mention what you do and they're like oh so you know what's tantrum and they haven't heard of it and that's sort of you know you kind of think right I really need to give myself some distance and know that there's still a lot of work that needs to be done whilst we have conquered various communities and actually press the press that we've had has really helped spread our message and sort of get us followers and things but it's there's I haven't found there's been any quick wins in terms of of really spreading the word in terms of what we're doing we've had some really good success on facebook and some pretty good success on instagram and and on press which is i think we've done really well for where we've got to but there seems to be a lot more to do
0: yeah, it, yeah, it's always the way in the beginning. a <laughs> separate conversation. You get me on the comms front, I won't shut up. <laughs> tell me more, tell us more about Tantrum XYZ. So what does the, you know, if I go and visit the website, what am I going to see there?
1: So a lot of parenting sites, as I've mentioned, talk to parents as if they're children. And the design, or they are very, very basic in their design. So... I would hope that when you found tantrum you would immediately notice the design of the website, and it's what a lot of people mention. It's mobile first, because lots of parents have one or two or possibly three children attached to their person, and um, only really space for a, a small screen on a mobile phone. And that was, you know, I consumed a huge amount of media when I was breastfeeding, for example, and it was all via my mobile phone. So that was our first thing, was we are mobile, phones, uh, mobile first. Yes, we look beautiful on the desktop too, but it's important that everyone has a great experience on the phone as well. So we look good. We use beautiful images, and we are very funny. So we use sort of quite attention-grabbing headlines. And we write about quite. It's. It's clickbaity to a certain extent, uh, and that is that we want people to want to read what we're writing about. So we'll do an early thing, an early hit that we had was an article on Father's Day presents that aren't shit. And, you know, Father's Day presents are horrendous. And I remember yeah. buying, trying to find stuff for my dad and thinking, well, I can buy him a soap shaped like a golf ball or something saying I love my daddy, um, whatever. But there's some amazing designers out there. There's some absolutely brilliant creators in our world creating beautiful stuff um that isn't doesn't cost yeah so i brought a lot of these things together and we saw a lot of referrals out to people just going yeah i want to buy something for my partner because we've just had a baby um, to say happy father's day so father's day presents that aren't shit uh, facebook didn't like that because obviously didn't like swearing i'm sure google didn't either but it's sort of like well that's kind of how we want to talk to our parents so in some ways you have to break a few rules to keep to to get your identity um, established, that's what we did. So they would find a beautiful design, they'd find interesting articles that they want to read and we have a shop as well where we bring together an edit of items that Ben and I's parents have used and that love and that we find we want to sort of cut through a lot of dross of parenting. I spent a lot of money on parenting gear that I did not need or that broke immediately. And when you've got kids and you're tired, the last thing you want to do is deal with a return. So we that's a sort of a big mission actually for this year is to really refine our shop and our e-commerce strategy. So um, they will find that. We also have a new feature, which um, Ben has worked really hard on recently, and that's called the Parenting Brain. And the idea behind this is we love Quora. Obviously, tech people love Quora. The idea of a kind of Q&A where you can ask any question and get an answer. But the difference between that and many existing forums is that we have the functionality to upvote answers, first of all. So if people are really funny, we encourage humour, you can add images and gifts to your answers and to your questions. And if someone's either really funny or really useful in their answer, you can give them a little star vote and then the best answer gets up voted to the top. And the second difference is we have a panel of experts who are on there and so we will make sure that people who ask a question on there will get a good answer, whether it be from the community or from us or from someone that we found to answer a specific question. Um, we're not doctors, we're not pretending to be, it's not really a place to get medical advice. However, there are lots of questions around baby behaviour, toddlers, you know, sleep, funny stuff. There's really, we say there's no such thing as a silly question, and there really isn't. I don't think there is, you know, in any topic, people should never be afraid to ask a question. Um, I think that's where my journalism comes in, is, you know, I ask a lot of questions, and I always think it's better to sort of be clear. And, you know, with parenting, I think there's a lot of pressure to, be a brilliant parent, but actually, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it doesn't always come naturally. You don't just because you love your baby; it doesn't mean you know what to do with them. So it was very important to us that there was a functionality to be able to ask a question anonymously, and um, we started the ball rolling with some stupid. I mean, I had some stupid questions. I mean, I asked one of the first questions I put on there was, you know, how often do you change your kids' pajamas? Because I was doing so much washing, and I was thinking. I mean, he was clean when I put these on him. Uh, He had a bath, he's put on his pajamas. I'm now taking them off in the morning. They're still clean, do I really need to wash them? But you sometimes just want a bit of reassurance where you want someone to say, that is completely fine, don't worry use those pajamas again, don't spend your entire life doing laundry, if something is not dirty, it's completely fine. And I just think it's wonderful to have that within a couple of clicks and within a couple of seconds to get yeah. reassurance or, you know, empathy or where needed, an expert opinion on that kind of topic. So they'll find that too. There's various other things. I mean, I could bang on, as most co-founders could, I could bang on about it forever. But I mean, essentially, that's sort of what we're about. Yeah. Now,
0: quick, quick question on the pajama front, you can reuse them, right? <laughs> yeah, that was very much the consensus. Okay, good, good. Just, just you know, double checking for anyone in Be listening, who's going? Well, what is the answer? Do we we have to do
1: laundry every day?
0: Having seen my nieces and nephews go from like babies into like almost oh god, no, two five-year-olds now, and seeing the amount of washing that was happening in the first couple of weeks, it was yeah, it was a bit. Ridiculous. Yeah. Why can't they just be naked like they were when they came out the womb?
1: That's right. Well nappy free time is a big deal. But I think we're in our country is too cold, unfortunately. Summertime, yeah, yeah but I you know I feel the
0: cold, so I'm like wrap up warm. I, I wouldn't want to be naked, so I'm not gonna expect you to be either. That's fair enough. So a bit of a, a shift in direction. Obviously, you're you know, you are kind of within the tech scene, as it were. You are a business that's enabled through the use of technology and the website and everything. And we're all about talking to women in tech and giving them advice on their career or kind of just words of wisdom. So from your own career and, and not just obviously from being a co-founder of Tantrum XYZ, but also before, what do you think is like a key lesson that you've learned as a working woman in the world that you could pass along to someone else? So, I think it's very interesting because the moment I became
1: a tech founder, I thought, okay, this is a whole brave new world. And then I looked back at my professional experience and I thought, well, it's not such a big jump. You know, I have been using the internet since it started. I mean, my dad was really sort of into tech and we got the internet when I was 12. And so I was, you know, I, I loved it, I consumed it socially a lot. And then in my work, I used a lot, I used social media. And whilst I wasn't a developer, I did work quite closely with, you know, the designers and the developers at Condé Nast in terms of user experience on our website and design. And I saw a beautiful redesign of the tablet website. So I, when this question comes up, I do think sometimes you have to sort of redefine tech. And that makes it a bit less intimidating. Yeah. Um, And if you look at women in general, they often are the ones doing the, uh, you know, supermarket shop online. They use apps, they do gaming, they use social media, And, you know, tech is very much part of their lives, and sometimes it's just progressing that. So it's saying, well, okay, you say you don't know about computers, but, you know, look how you're showing someone else how to use Snapchat, or, you know, you probably know what gets, uh, you know, a lot of attention and clicks on your tweets or your Facebook posts. You can navigate Facebook really well. And then, okay, if you're interested in that, let's see what you can do with that, if you are interested. Could you do um, some kind of social media management for another company? Um, Could you do strategy could you you know feedback on it would you like to do some training so my background was sort of social media editorial online and a bit of site development but now I'm sort of thinking well there's no reason why I can't learn about coding and actually I really want to because I want to be able to speak that language so that's my next sort of personal challenge a few years ago that would have been sort of unheard of I remember someone mentioning it to me as kind of well you know if you can't fix things on your website why don't you just learn and to me it did seem like too daunting to even start whereas now that's exactly what I have to do. That's exactly what I want to do. And more and more, as I talk to people, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing stories of women doing that exact thing, you know. And there's companies like um, Digital Mums, training um, you know mums in social media management and giving them the opportunity to work while they're at the playground or while the kids are having a nap. I think that's great. There's mums in technology, or mums in tech, mums in technology, teaching uh, mums how to code. And there's on-site crash facilities. Which is brilliant, and I think the more of that kind of thing. Maybe it's a slightly softer approach. I don't know, but it's it's an encouraging one. Um, also, we share office space with a company called Udacity, and they do distance learning in all kinds of interesting things: um, AI, VR, all kinds of wonderful things. And they are um, distance learning, so you can learn at home at your own pace. You have tutors, and. You know, I didn't really know they existed until I came here. And talking to them, they're saying, you know, loads of women love this because it's in their own time and it's at home and there's not that sort of classroom setting. It doesn't feel like a huge commitment. So uh, I think that sort of approach is going to be the future. And then the more women we have coming through, the more representation there is, the more yeah. women helping other women and speaking at events, speaking at schools, being um, shown in the media to be, you know, doing their thing then um, you know,
0: will work through eventually. Yeah. What do you read or watch or kind of listen to that kind of gives you like a daily dose of inspiration? It doesn't even have to be daily, it could be like weekly.
1: Um, well, no, I'm a huge consumer of podcasts. I absolutely adore the medium. I think because I, well, certainly as a parent they were useful because when my son was young and, you know, he would never sleep unless he was either on me or in the pram walking. So I did huge, covered a lot of ground uh, walking when I was on maternity leave and really I got into podcasts in a big way. And now I have quite a long commute never get a seat, uh, train is always delayed as per this morning, podcasts keep me sane, they kept me sane on my maternity leave, they keep me sane now, you don't need space to read a book, for example, uh, you know, it's just wonderful way to consume media. So I listen to um, lots of American ones, I love This American Life, I love Serial, gosh that was amazing during my maternity leave um, when I was pregnant. I love an American parenting podcast called The Longest Shortest Time, which takes a lovely storytelling approach to parenting. It's pretty gentle, but it's got, um, you know, it's sort of quite whimsical. I listen to Startup, obviously, it's been really useful. Women's Now, podcast I'm addicted to. I love the Geek Girl Meets podcast. Thank you. And in fact, I haven't mentioned this, but Geek Girl to me was um, really brilliant. Uh, when I first started in the tech world, it was one of the first... Um, events that I came to I went I came to the VR one that was over at Lipa and it was very much like this is for me this is marketed to me um my other co-founders can't go well actually they could go but you know it can be geek boys they they um, can they can go geek guys it it was I loved the marketing for it and I I, yes it's you know to me it was it was it was very appealing and I went and I found it a really friendly positive experience and I got me very sort of excited about being part of this world and I think um listening to the podcast as well, and hearing stories such as Holly from Gadget, uh, that was one of the first things I listened to as well, uh, when I started, and you know, it just gave me this, yes I can do this, and, and it sort of, it defined it for me in a really great positive way, so um, that's it, I feel like I'm missing a bit big podcast, oh my god, the other podcast I love, uh, Call Your Girlfriend, which I've just discovered, which is, Ooh, I don't know this it's one. an American podcast, and it's presented by two women, one's on the east coast and one's on the west coast of America, and they talk about politics. And they talk about pop culture, which for me is a brilliant winning combination. And they're very funny. And one thing I love about that podcast and also the Scummy Mummies podcast, which is a parenting podcast, but I mean, the Scummy Mummies are just hysterical. They contribute to Tantrum XYZ as well, actually. And they performed at one of our comedy events last summer. They're brilliant girls. What I love about those podcasts and actually just in general, female-led podcasts is how Generous and kind they are to each other. They laugh at each other's jokes. They let each other talk. And they um, they really collaborate with each other, which I think has great comedy effect. They'll build on one another's jokes. And it's it's so nice to hear women laughing at each other, uh, finding each other hysterical, um, and also talking about quite serious
0: things. So, yeah, that's it. Podcast Junkie. Okay, you've just given me, like, five podcasts <laughs> so I need to go and subscribe to. Yes. especially like the sound of Call Your Girlfriend. Oh, yes. It's okay. A new addiction. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that one out. As a mum and starting a startup, how are you, whether it exists or not, by the way, different thing, but how are you kind of managing work and life? Well, I work and I
1: parent, and there's not a huge amount of time for other stuff. Parenting is sort of
0: all-consuming.
1: It's a 24-hour job. And having a startup is also uh, all-consuming in a 24-hour job. So there's not much break um, because there's always more you could be doing. I am very lucky in that my husband can work flexibly. I can work flexibly. Um, so tension Practice is what it preaches. We write a lot about flexible working and how the digital era can really um, help families. Uh, but companies need to really understand that. And that's sort of a whole campaign that we're part of. So because I've got this brilliant setup, and so does my husband, it means that we, you know, we can take turns dropping our son off to the childminder. It means that I can have a day at home with him. It uh, means that I can work in the evening when he's gone to bed. That's sort of how we're managing. We do have a lot of help and support. We we try and take turns babysitting with our friends' kids um, to give each other a break. I think it's really important for families to actually have some time, um, you know, just as, well, the couple, sorry, to have time not being a parent, to sort of just go out even if it's just for a meal at the end of the road. So we do try and do a bit of that. So we're just about managing, but I'm pretty tired and I do tend to miss a lot of birthdays. I, forgot my mom's birthday
0: famously last year. Oh no. But you can't you can't have it all. <laughs> yeah, no I mean I think that that's that's a big thing we um you know, when we spoke to Eileen Burbage we were asking her about work life as well and and you know, she was very honest and saying does it exist? <laughs> is there a balance? But then if you really
1: love your job, I mean I really really love Tantrum and also I love spending time with my son. So and I do find the work very sociable and really fulfilling, so part of it, and I sort of feel like it's my time, you know, I'm sort of 30, and um, I think, <laughs> I don't know that age, what is 30? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I, it depends when the podcast goes out, I'll either be 34 or 35. Okay, so um, birthday's coming. Yeah, coming up. So um, I, I've had a lot of fun, and, and I find work fun, and uh, for people that I work with, brilliant. I find both, actually, the parenting world and the tech world full of total legends I'm sure you know now from from tech so I do I do enjoy it I do get a lot out of it socially even if it's work yeah okay that's good
0: if someone who's listening wants to get in touch with you how, where can they find
1: you well our website is um, tantrum dot xyz and there's a contact us thing on there I'm also on instagram we're at tantrum xyz and personally I'm lisa s williams and I'm lisa s williams on twitter and um, that's probably the best way to contact me I'm um uh,
0: on social media quite a lot yeah it's like me it's like (laughs) I can't get off of it it's the best way to reach anyone thank you so much for doing this podcast with me it's been an absolute pleasure to hear more about you and about Tantrum XYZ we were talking before this about the fact that we're not sure whether Z sounds better or not if we're going that way in terms of culture and listening to too many American sitcoms (laughs) and various things but XYZ
1: It is Tantrum XYZ because we are a British-born company, Mm -hmm. British-raised, but if our lovely American readers want to call us Tantrum XYZ, then we're happy to go that way too.
0: Good. It's very diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much. Pleasure. Girls and guys, you've been listening to Geek Girl Meets with me, Kathy White. Couple of little things from Geek Girl. So our next meetup will be taking place on March the 8th on International Women's Day. We are partnering up with the Tech for Good folks for a meetup looking at the women using technology in order to empower others. And that spans multiple sectors. We'll be hosting it at Codenode near Liverpool Street. So do look out for that online. You can find more information on our Twitter at GGM UK. Check us out on Facebook, Geek Girl Meetup UK, and as always, go sign up for our newsletter at geekgirlmeetup.co.uk. Until next time, bye!